Healthy Girl Kitchen. I am obsessed with Healthy Girl Kitchen. She's a vegan food blogger and health coach. I want to be her best friend. Invigorating conversations with leading experts. Danielle spends her days helping others improve their health. This is the Healthy Girl Podcast with your host, Danielle Keith. Hello, you guys. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. We have a really awesome guest. But before that, I'd like to give you the health tip of the day and the cooking tip of the day. The health tip today is one that I am obsessed with and that I've been doing for such a long time. And that is drinking peppermint tea if you're bloated. So many people ask me how to get rid of bloating and this is one of my number one tips is to drink peppermint tea. You can drink the peppermint tea before you get bloated to be preventative or if you're already feeling bloated and maybe gassy, the peppermint tea will help to alleviate that bloat. I like to just get regular organic peppermint tea. You can find it at any grocery store. You can order it on Amazon. You can even steep two peppermint tea bags to make it a little bit stronger. But if you start having that right after you eat a meal, you'll notice a huge difference in your bloating and in your stomach. For the cooking tip of the day, I'm gonna tell you how to get crispy potatoes without using any oil. The first thing you're gonna wanna do is get a baking sheet and line it with parchment paper. You can cube your potatoes, you can cut them into french fry shapes, however you like to make them, and then you're gonna wanna soak them in cold water for 10 minutes, that's really the key. When you soak them in the cold water, it helps to release some of the starch from the potatoes, and therefore you end up with a crispier potato in the end without using any oil. So you'll just bake it on high for like 30 to 40 minutes until they're golden brown. It just depends on your oven, and you'll bake it at like 475 degrees. And then for extra crispiness, For the last like three minutes, you can put the potatoes on broil. And I promise you, this is the best trick ever. And you'll get really, really crispy potatoes without using any oil. And for those of you who are confused why some people in the plant-based movement don't use oil, it's because people are actively trying to eat whole foods. That's why it's called a whole foods plant-based diet. And oil is extracted. It's a refined source of fat from the original source. So for example, People who are whole food plant-based are going to want to eat the avocado instead of having avocado oil. They'll want to eat the whole olive instead of eating olive oil. They'll have corn instead of corn oil, if that makes sense. You're not only then eating the whole source of the food, but you're not getting a surplus of calories and a ton of extra fat from covering your food with oil. And this is especially pertinent to someone who's trying to lose weight because adding even just a few tablespoons of oil to your food is adding a couple extra hundred calories, which doesn't really make sense if you're trying to lose weight. So that's just a really good tip. I use it all the time. If you make crispy potatoes with that oil, please let me know. I'd love to know how it goes. Okay, you guys, I'm so excited because today we have Leah Goldglanz here of Leah's Plate a blog and Instagram account that focuses on making living a healthy lifestyle simple and delicious for you and your family. As a busy mother of two living in South Florida with her husband, Leah finds creative ways to make eating, moving, and living a non-toxic lifestyle easier and a whole lot of fun. In addition to the mouth-watering healthy meals she creates, Leah's non-judgmental approach to motherhood and toddler-focused recipes give her a unique edge that's appealing to food and lifestyle brands. 
Leah is so sweet. She's also a friend of mine because as you know, I also live in Boca. We've actually met for tea before. So I know she is so sweet, so kind. She's such a good mom. Her kids are adorable. And if you're not following her on Instagram, it's at Leah's Plate. But yeah, without wasting any more time, let's welcome Leah to the podcast. Hi, Leah. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Um, This feels so silly because you live 10 minutes from me in Boca, so I really wish that we could be doing this in person, but this is second best, and I'm just glad we're getting the chance to talk. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to talk to you today, and when things calm down a bit, we'll be able to do something in person, hopefully. Yes, definitely. We can have you on the show part two. (laughs) So I just want to jump right into who you are, what you're doing I mean, you're, you're a mommy blogger and I want to first talk about your routine as a mom right now. We're in quarantine. We're in this crazy time that I think a lot of people are struggling with. And I think a lot of people could relate to you because you're a parent and you're home with your kids all day. That's just the reality. So can you speak to your life right now in quarantine as a mom and what your routine is looking like? Yeah, definitely. I think my number one thing going into this and this was, you know, two months ago, and it still remains true today, is to be kind to yourself and not be hard on yourself. There's a lot of pressure, like, for my kids to learn and have an education, and especially my four-year-old, the homeschooling, and all of that. And I don't beat myself up over it if one day they learn nothing, because honestly, at their ages, like, everything is a learning experience. It's just chasing birds around in our backyard is fun. You know, I just don't beat myself up over anything right now. And I kind of just let the day take us where it will. I think for a few days, I was trying to be too structured, which I thought would help. And instead, it would stress me out if I didn't do something that we planned to do, or we relate to something else. So I've always been a very routine and structured person and letting that go out the window right now has actually been like so relieving. It's the first time that I don't have much structure. (laughs) And I think that's just how it has to be right now. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, kids definitely need structure, but taking that pressure off yourself as a mom that you don't have to be perfect right now, because you're not a teacher, you're not running an official daycare, you're just a mom. So I think reminding people that they can just take the pressure off is really helpful. Yeah. Looking at your day starting from the morning, and I know your morning routine is really, really important to you. Can you start from the beginning of your day? Yeah. And just kind of walk through a a day in the life right now? Definitely. And I want to clarify the like not having structure. We aren't really on much of a schedule, but I do like to stick to a basic routine without times attached to it. And it's just, that looks like at some point in the morning, the kids and I go out for a stroller walk to get fresh air. And again, it's not like this has to be at nine o'clock. It's just like, as long as I do that, I'm happy. And in the afternoon, as long as they play in the backyard and go in the pool, I'm happy. And that's back to that. But anyway, yeah, back to my morning routine, because that's like everything to me. I feel like if I don't have my little morning routine to myself the rest of my day is just not what it (laughs) it's just messed up um I need an hour or two to myself every morning my husband's currently working from home but he is working so 
pretty much at nine o'clock, he needs to get to his desk and start working the rest of the day. So he told me, Leah, until 9am, it's your time. I'll deal with the kids, which has been amazing because I'm an early riser. So I wake up at six and I have three hours, which is like golden right now. And I like to drink a warm water with lemon every morning upon waking up. And then I always do a workout. Obviously, before quarantine, I used to go to a gym. And now I work out in my garage every morning, which I share on stories. I'm not like married to any one workout. I really enjoy switching it up right now, which is the beauty of online workouts. I could do something different every day. I do everything from yoga to Pilates to weight training to HIIT workouts to boxing. And I've actually enjoyed working out at home much more than I thought I would. And then after that, I shower. I have you know a healthy breakfast that's going to fuel me <laughs> all morning with the kids. And then I am able to jump in and do a few emails all before 9am. And that just like sets a such a good tone for the day because I'm like, all right, I already worked out, I showered, I had a healthy breakfast, and I went through like a half hour of work stuff. And then I'm able to like really focus my attention on my kids because I feel like I checked off the boxes that I need for myself. And then I could really be present for the kids the rest of the day. Yeah, I think that's really important to just pause there and note that as a mom, and I'm not a mom yet, but I can imagine that taking that extra time to take care of yourself really allows you to be more present for your kids throughout the day. And it allows you to meet their needs because your needs are met. I know as a health coach, a lot of my clients, they're moms, and they don't take that time out of the day for themselves, whether it's again, a workout in the morning, a hot shower, a healthy breakfast, and they're just kind of scrambling and trying to meet the needs of their kids without putting their needs first. And I think a lot of moms struggle with maybe they think that that's selfish to take that time for themselves when really it's the opposite because in the end you can give more to your kids. Definitely. And I think that's the biggest thing is not thinking of it as selfish because I mean, I see it for myself on mornings that that doesn't happen for me and I have to jump right into the kids. I am just not as good of a mom the rest of the day. And they feel that like even my almost two-year-old, like she's so young, but she senses that. And when I'm not like on my game, like they're off, they're cranky, they're acting out more. So for everyone involved, it's better that, you know, I take care of myself. Definitely. So Let's talk about the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. First, as a mom, I know you said you go on a walk, you take them to your pool, and it's so lucky that you have a, a private pool. I'm in an apartment building, and my pool is closed off right now, and I, I really, really wish I could go swimming, but you're lucky enough to have your own pool, and that's obviously a great activity. But what else are you doing to keep the kids busy? So I think fresh air is really important for both them and myself. So like I said, every morning we do a stroller walk. Um, I don't know how much longer that'll last because where we live in South Florida, it's about to get really brutally hot. I'm not excited Um, for that. (laughs) I know, but that's why I do try to go in the morning before it's like so hot. And there's like a ton of ducks in our neighborhood. I feel like great. The kids are, you know, in nature and seeing animals and fresh air is good for everyone. So that's kind of like a non-negotiable for me, unless it's raining or a hundred degrees, we go on that walk. And then they both like art. So we'll get home and I'll try to do some type of productive activity with them, whether it's painting or coloring or just something, you know, along those lines, stickers. I'm also 
not afraid to turn the TV on if I need it. Again, I said, I I don't beat myself up over things. Like if my kids watch more TV than I think is good for them one or two days, I move on. I don't, you know, get upset about it. So after all that, when I need to make them lunch, I definitely turn the TV on. They have some time to chill out. I can make lunch and I can also make myself a nice lunch. And part of my job is to photograph my food. So I need that time. And do they help you cook at all? Yes. My four-year-old Emma loves cooking. So even little things like making sandwiches, like she makes her own peanut butter and jelly. I obviously have to help, you know, spread it on better, but I try to really get her involved. So, um, she will often come join me in the kitchen and try to help me put things together. Even things like if we're having a bowl of oatmeal, she wants to put her own berries and almond butter on top of it. It's really cute. That's so cute. Yeah. And it's a good way to involve her. Definitely. That's like daughter goals or kid goals. I hope that one day my kids are helping me bake and cook. And that's so cute. And they're learning from you too, because in the future when they need to cook or bake for themselves, they're going to know what to do. Yeah, exactly. And she loves baking. I think it's because she likes to eat the chocolate chips that are going into the batter because she always says that if we're making banana bread, it like has to have chocolate chips in it. If it's a cookie, it has to be chocolate chip cookies. Um, But no, she enjoys like the mixing and all that stuff. And, you know, my younger one, I think she'll get there soon. Like she's not into it yet, which I didn't expect her to be, but it'll be even more fun when the three of us could do it together. So baking's like definitely since quarantine started, we bake probably like two to three things a week, ranging from like cookies to brownies to banana bread. Obviously, we try to like make our own healthy versions of everything. So that's been fun. And uh, it's always fun to have those to snack on throughout the week. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. And just to clarify for um, anyone who doesn't know, you have two kids and they're what ages? So Emma is basically almost four and a half and Jordan is turning two in about a week from now. So just call her two. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Two yeah. girls. So it's fun. As much of a struggle as it is having a two and four year old, they're so cute right now. And like, even if they're driving me crazy, I just keep reminding myself like one day they're going to just want to hang out with their friends and not want to hang out with me. And I, I just keep like putting that all in perspective. Yeah. You have to soak it in. Yeah. Okay. So you're a blogger. You are an influencer, as people would call it. You weren't always an influencer. This is more of a recent thing within the past 10 years. So can we rewind a little and go back to what you went to college for? Yeah. Because this obviously wasn't always your path. To be honest, I I didn't know what I wanted to do all through college. And that really like frustrated me and upset me during college. I felt like all my friends were like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm, you know, going to be a doctor. I'm doing this or that. Like everyone just had this clear path and they seemed so certain of what they wanted to do. And a lot of them actually even stuck to that. And they're still doing today, like what they told me they were going to do in college. And it was frustrating for me. I couldn't figure it out. So I took a very like broad major. I majored in communications and minored in business because I felt like since I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, that at least was like a good path to go down because there's so many different things that you could do from there. And what was even more frustrating was I graduated from college and still did not know what I wanted to do. A job in commercial real estate ended up happening for me. My dad is in commercial real estate and he was the one that, you know, helped make some connections for me. And 
it was one of those things I just did it because it was like, okay, I graduated from college and now I need a job. And then I had a job. So I was like, I graduated from college, by the way, in 2008, which was like one of the worst times for our, our economy. So I felt lucky to have a job. So that being said, I did that for about five years. And to be completely honest, I was never like really that passionate about it. It always felt like a job, not something that I enjoyed showing up for. And other people sense that and know that when that's the case. 100%. So I never really excelled in it. And I knew it wasn't going to be something long term, but I also didn't know what else I wanted to do. So all that being said, I've always been like really into wellness and health and all of that. I, I wish I majored in something else in college. But while I was living in New York City after college, I wasn't being so healthy, even though I was like interested in it. You know, I was 22 years old and it was I was like fascinated by living in New York City and I wanted to go out every night and there was so much to do. And I was basically just eating out at restaurants and not healthy and going out and drinking and partying and being hungover. You know, a few years of doing that really took a toll on me. And I I didn't feel good. I didn't look good. Um, It was like more than just how I looked on the outside. Like I was always tired and run down. I was never able to be productive. Like I just felt like crap. And I was like, I can't, I'm in my twenties. I can't live the rest of my life doing this and feeling this way. I need to make a change. I ended up moving to South Florida to kind of like start over. I was just over living in the city. And I had a lot of friends from college living in Florida. I went to Florida state by the way. Had you met your husband yet at this point? We met, but we were not together. Okay. But I was interested in him. And he lived in Miami at the time. I didn't move to Miami for him, but I had a, most of my friends from Florida State were living in Miami at that point. No one had kids yet, ever, you know. So I kind of just started over. I moved. And like, when I say starting over, I did everything at once. Like I moved, I changed my whole lifestyle. Like I started cooking healthy and got really into cookie um not cookies, cooking and wellness and even like switching up my household cleaning products for non-toxic products, like the whole thing. And around then was kind of when Instagram was starting and maybe influencers, they weren't even called influencers then, but people were posting their food photos on Instagram. This was like maybe eight years ago. And I was like, that sounds so fun. Like, I want to do that. Not for a job, just like a total hobby. Like, just take pictures of my food and post them. And I, in 2015, I started my Instagram account. So five years ago. That was kind of like the sweet spot, I think, to make an Instagram. And I don't know if you know, but I started an Instagram then too. I think it was probably like 2014. And I had an account called Eat Love Danny. And I would just as a hobby post my food. Unfortunately, I just kind of let it go because I was in college. Um, But it was so much easier back then to get into it and, and to gain a following. Oh my gosh. Starting back then definitely gave, I, I'll admit it, me a big advantage, anyone that did it. It's like if a, if a brand reposted one of my photos, then I'd get like thousands of new followers at that time. It was just so much easier to grow. Like 
now if a brand reposts my photo, like I don't even get a follower. It's crazy. Like the difference these five years has made. And we could get into that more later. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. But in this time, you know, I got married and I, I was pregnant in 2015. I knew I wanted to be home with my child. I didn't want to work and have to go back to my job full time three months later and leave my baby when she was three months. And anyone that does that, like I give, I have like so much respect for you because that's really hard to do. And I don't mean it in a negative way. Like I think everyone just has their own personal view on, you know, whether they want to go back to work full time or be with their home with their baby if they're lucky enough to make that choice. And I feel lucky that I was and I wanted to do something that enabled me to be home with my children. So I still didn't look at it in 2015, like it could be a business because most people, it wasn't a business, then it was a just a for fun hobby. I think there was some bloggers, you know, starting to make money, but it wasn't really like quite a thing then. Yeah. And I think I think when you also talk to most people who now have a successful Instagram page, the majority of them did not start it as something that they intended to monetize or something that they intended to be their income. It was purely starting something because you were passionate about it and just because you wanted to do something fun. And again, like you said, a hobby where you could just post your food because that's what you love doing. Yeah. And so it was the thing when I was pregnant, I was working part time for a company and most of it was from home. So I had a lot of like extra free time on my hands. And I just really got into doing like the cooking and Instagram. And I was also so fascinated. It was my first pregnancy, knowing that like anything I ate was nourishing the baby and the whole thing was just so fascinating to me. So I was even more into food than ever and just like eating these clean, good foods. And I wanted to share that with people. So I was doing that. And then ironically, I think the first brand, I don't remember who it was, but somebody reached out to work with me like the same month that my first daughter was born, which was when I wanted to be doing nothing. So it was just ironic, the timing, but of course I did it. And like, it kind of just took off from there. Um, I started working with brands, you know, I created my media kit and rate sheet and the next few years, like up until now, it's just grown each year and working with brands and doing my blog in addition to my Instagram. And it's been really great. So let's backtrack. When you received your first sponsorship, I know you don't remember who it was, but at that point, do you remember how many followers you had? I probably had five to 10,000. And I just want to say also, side note, that my account grew very slowly at first. Like I had mentioned that it was much easier to grow an account then, but not immediately. Like it took me an entire year to get to a thousand followers, which I felt like was incredibly slow, especially for that time. But then it was weird. Like as soon as I hit a thousand after the first year, it just grew so fast from there for the next few years. And now it's very slowly growing this year, but between now and then, it grew really fast. So how long before you hit 100,000? Because I think right now you're at like 110,000, which is absolutely yeah. crazy. I think about a year and a half ago, I hit 100,000. Okay. And I started in 2015, like the beginning of 2015, I started. Wow. So it's been like five years. And again, the first year I only went from like zero to 1,000. And I feel like even a few years ago, there were way less food bloggers, people on Instagram posting their food. 
So when you were first making your media kit, making your rate sheet, what did you look to? How did you know what to put? Did you, was there a mentor that you looked towards or someone that helped you? No one helped me. It was like a trial and error thing. I kind of thought like, what's my time worth? And also what's it worth to the brand? Like, look how many people are going to see this. Like if at the time I had 10,000 followers and I was getting a certain amount of likes and comments, like I I put those two kind of together, like my time and also the value for the brand. And I kind of just like threw some numbers out there that I felt like were fair. And then I got to a point that no one was coming back to me saying like, I can't afford that or that's too much. Like everyone right away was like, works for us. And I'm like, you know what? I think I could charge more, more if everyone's so easily like saying that that works for them. So I eventually found a number where it was like brands would maybe come back and negotiate a little bit lower. I, I feel like I found like the sweet spot, but it took me a year and it's still like, I have to play around with it now as times are changing. So back then, when you had five to 10,000 followers, and you're giving a company how much you charge for, let's say, one Instagram post on your feed, do you remember how much you were charging back? And in- I think the first thing I ever charged was $50. And I don't remember, maybe I had like 5,000 followers. And everyone has different formulas, but there's really no right or wrong one. Like some people say it's $100 for every like 10,000 followers you have. So if you're at 10,000, you charge 100. If you're at 20,000, you charge 200. So if I'm at 100, I should be charging 1,000. Um, but then other people disagree with that. And they say it's, you know, it's also a lot of it is based on engagement, which I agree too. Like if you have really strong engagement, but not as much of a following, you could maybe still charge equal to someone with a big following, but not much engagement. So I think there's like so many factors that go into it. And I think for me, I've really learned over you know the past year of me growing my Instagram to stand up for myself and to really be an advocate for myself when I speak to these brands and when I collaborate with them, because there are a lot of brands, unfortunately, that will message me and offer me product for post. And for those of you who might not understand that, a brand, let's say a, a chip company, they'll, they'll message me and be like, hey, I'd love for you to sample my chips. I, I'd love in exchange for us sending our chips, would you please do a post? And well, that's very nice. And while chips are yummy, that doesn't pay the bills. And it's my time at the end of the day that I'm spending to create a recipe, create a post, I'm taking pictures, I'm editing them, I'm creating an authentic caption. And that takes time. And while chips are nice, you really do need compensation for your time. Oh yeah, definitely. This is like our, uh, and I wish more brands that email me that, like realize this isn't just like my cutesy little fun side hobby anymore. This is my job. And again, like you said, chips, like that's when a company offers to send me that and says in exchange for a post, I'm like, I could go buy my a $5 bag of chips. Like I don't need your free chips. And again, I, I don't mean that to sound like I'm unappreciative, but to me, that's, I can't do a post just for a bag of chips. Yeah, definitely. And, and honestly, I recently just got a post from a very popular veggie burger brand and they offered to send me coupons in the mail in exchange for a post. And at that point I was just insulted. I couldn't even have a conversation with them because I, again, I could go to the store and get myself the the box of veggie burgers. I don't need their coupon. Right. If you want to work with me, like, please pay me for my time. And I totally understand a lot of these smaller companies have a, 
small marketing budget or they don't have a marketing budget at all. But I think it really does help to be your own advocate and speak up for yourself. Because at first, I was a little hesitant to ask for money. It can feel awkward and it can be... It is awkward, yeah. It is awkward. It could feel a bit uncomfortable to be like, you know what, I'm really sorry. I, I don't do product for post. I charge a fee for my services. But once you learn to do that, you really, really build confidence in yourself because most of these brands, as you said, they're not going to argue with you. They get back to you and they're like, oh, no problem. You know, that's fine. We'd love to do a collaboration. So I think really highlighting that it's so important to speak up for yourself if, if you're in this kind of work. Yeah. And I think for anyone that is, you know, in the same situation, we are a blogger, influencer. Um, it's awkward the first few times you write back asking for money. And now it's like, so not awkward to me. And I'm always like pleasant and polite when I write back. Um, and I always am appreciative, like, thank you so much for offering to send me that. That's so nice. But you know, and I typically just respond like, here's my I'd love to work with you. But here's my rate sheet. Let me know if this works. You know, like this is my business. Right. And once you put that out there, the brands that you're meant to work with, you'll end up working with them. And the ones where you're not, you're not. And it doesn't hurt to send over your rate sheet. And maybe now is not the time for whatever reason, but who knows? I've had companies that get back to me a year later after me emailing them and they say, hey, you know, we now have the budget to work with you. Same. That happens to me often where they say, you know, thanks for sending over your rate sheet. Um, We just don't have the budget for that at this time. And I write back like, I totally understand. I love your product. Keep my rate sheet and media kit on file. And if anything changes, reach out to me. And like, I'd say sometimes brands do come back sometimes a year or two years later. And I just wanted to make another point. Sometimes when I do go back and tell brands like, you know, no, I don't do product exchange. I mean, by the way, the only way I would do product exchange if it's a product that's maybe equal to what my rate is. For sure. Right. Like if someone's offering to send me a, you know, a thousand dollar mattress in exchange for a post, then that's something we can talk about. But right. A bag of chips or a bag of granola. Like, I'm sorry. No. Um, But if I am clear and say, I don't do product exchange, here are my rates. And then they still try to push me on it and they respond kind of not respecting it. And they say something like, well, we want to try a post or two with you first to see how it goes. And then if it goes well, we're willing to pay you. And it's like, I'm still putting in my time and energy and efforts. um, And you're still getting this brand exposure from me and you want that all for free, which isn't fair. It's like me going to a dentist and being like, hey, do my teeth cleaning for free the first time. And if I like it, then I'll come back. But if not, then like, sorry, you know, like you just right. No, Yeah, no, I was just gonna say with any other profession, you would never go to a lawyer and say, hey, can you, you know, do my first few hours for free just so I can see how you work? Never they would they right see if I like you, you right. would never do something like that. You'd never go to a doctor and say that whoever it is. But I think because this is such a new job, even though now Instagram has been around for a little while, this is still so new. And I don't think companies have yet learned the etiquette of working with influencers. So that's why I I am so excited to be making this podcast and talking to people like you, where maybe some of those brands are listening and they can um, be educated on the subject. I want to take a quick break to talk about gut health. 
If you didn't know, 70% of our immunity stems from our gut. So if your gut microbiome is unbalanced, you can experience a lot of problematic symptoms like leaky gut, unwanted bloating, candida, anxiety, nausea, skin problems like acne, irregular bowel movements, the list goes on. So it's really important to remember that your diet should be made up of high fiber, nutrient dense plant foods, that you're drinking a ton of water, getting exercise, and making sure you're eating a wide variety of plant foods. However, in addition to a healthy diet, you need to be sure that you're taking a probiotic. Obviously, if you're vegan, taking a B12 is essential, but in my humble opinion, a probiotic should come next. For the past year, I've been taking the Silver Fern probiotic supplement, and it's honestly been life-changing for me. My digestion is on track, it's decreased my bloating, my system is super regular, and I'm really excited because I have partnered with Silver Fern on Instagram before and on my blog, and now they are sponsoring the Healthy Girl podcast. Basically, I'm obsessed with their products. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm always posting about the Silver Fern products on my story, that I'm taking the probiotic, I'm using all of their products, and the probiotic is just something I'm really passionate about because it really has made such a huge difference. I've tried so many different probiotics. You know, as a, an influencer, as a blogger, I get sent a lot of different products to try. So I've tried a lot of the probiotics that are on the market, and a lot of them just don't seem to do anything, and nothing compares to the Silver Fern one. They're third-party tested to ensure survivability, so you don't need to put them in the fridge. It contains five potent strains. Their probiotics increase immunity, digestion, your metabolism, and just improve your overall gut health. I also used to get a lot of like hormonal breakouts on my neck and chin area around my period, and since taking the Silver Firm probiotics, I don't get that anymore, so that's also a huge win. Anyway, you can take one of their probiotics with each of your meals and it works best when taken with fiber. So anytime you eat, you can take it once, you can take it up to three times a day super simple. Also just a note for my vegan friends or those of you who get bloated easily from beans or from your plant-based meals, this probiotic helps so much with bloating. And if you have trouble digesting certain foods, you can also order their digestive enzyme, which I'll talk more about in another episode, but you can take their digestive enzyme, their probiotic. They're a little bit pricier than other probiotics out there, but that's because they source the highest quality ingredients. But good news, I have a discount code for you. So if you use code HEALTHYGIRL, you will get 20% off your order. So just use HEALTHYGIRL at checkout to get that discount. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-G-I-R-L, HEALTHYGIRL at checkout. So let's get back into the episode. And I think it's like all the influencers as a whole have to come together and uh, stay strong with that. But that being said, everyone has to do what's best for them. And if getting some, you know, free products that like chips and granola make you happy, then like go for it. But if you're trying to make this your business, I think like sticking to, you know, what we said is the way to go and just having that confidence to do that. Definitely. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Let's say someone wants to start a foodie Instagram. Mm -hmm. What would be your advice on how to start that now in 2020 when it's a little bit harder to get your name out there? I think quality over quantity. I feel like so many people feel like oh, I have to post once or twice a day to stay relevant. That's partially true, but it's not two times a day. And sometimes it's not even once a day. Like if you miss a day, that's not going to make or break anything. Like 
don't just put filler content out there. That's like my biggest thing. Like I've done it. I'm guilty of it where I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't posted in two days. Like I don't want to fall off the face of the earth and people forget about me. So I have to post something today. And then I'm posting something that I'm like, that photo wasn't that great. Or I'm just not like 100% happy with how the photography came out or whatever it is. Maybe like the styling of the food. And I post it and it doesn't do well. And then it's like sitting on my feed. It's just not worth it. Like I think only posting photos that you're like, I love how this is styled. I love this photography. This is a great photo. I I 100% can stand behind it. And not posting those like filler photos and content. And then on the flip side of that, it's being consistent. Like you can't just post once a month and think you'll grow. So you do have to post. So being consistent, but not feeling like you have to post every day and then posting something that you don't really love. Definitely. And I think along with that, at least for me, posting content that I'm excited about and that's authentic to me, because I think you do a really good job of that. You're just a mom who's super relatable and you just post your everyday life that that people can relate to. And I think we actually talked about this um, when we met up that one time for tea, that you turn down a lot of offers that come your way and the importance of aligning and only working with brands that align with your vision and that work well with your page. So I think that is really, really important to note too, that you should only really work with brands that align with your vision because otherwise you're not going to be authentic. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's like my biggest, biggest thing is no matter how much money a brand offers you, because it's, it's happened for me, like it happened last week, this brand offered me, they didn't even get my rate sheet. They just like emailed me with an offer. And it was the number was so much higher than what I charged. It was such good money. And like, of course, instinctually, you want to be like, yes, of course, I'll do that. <laughs> you know, but I, I looked at the brand and I'm like, I just don't find this to be like a truly healthy product. There was a few things about it. You know, it was a dairy company and not that I'm dairy free, but like if I'm having dairy, it needs to be really good quality. And like, it wasn't, it was just like the average like milk brand that's not organic. It's not grass fed. It's not pasture raised. It's just whatever. And I'm like, I I can't do this. This isn't something that I would drink or give to my kids. So how could I ever feel comfortable promoting it? And I I turned it down and yeah, it it sucks walking away from that money, but like ultimately you're going to hurt your brand more by taking on that one sponsored post because people know oh 100 you know i know i'm scrolling through instagram and i follow people i'm like you would never eat that and you're posting about it you just know so it's also just only taking on partnerships that you're a hundred percent aligned with and that you would feed yourself your kids if you have kids something that you feel good promoting otherwise people totally see through that and it'll just tarnish your brand Yeah. And that goes along with just looking at the bigger picture in general of where you see your brand going and and the longevity of your brand. So just to the person that's just starting their food Instagram, you really want to, from the beginning, think about that bigger picture and what you see in the long run and not just doing things to start that'll just make you a quick dollar. Exactly. Even if it's your first sponsored post that you're offered, the first time you get an email from a brand and it's the first time you're offered money and you're so excited that you want to take it, 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 you can't. If it's a brand that you don't 100% align with, do not do it. 
Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. And and as you said, not to get super, super excited. And of course, it's flattering when someone wants to work with you, but staying true to yourself and staying true to who you are is just playing the long game and is super, super important. And I think that's something that you do really well. And that's probably contributed to you being so successful over this long period of time. And one other thing I want to add is that like, not just myself there's a few like other influencers that I'm friendly with and I know myself and them like we could all be I don't want to use the word rich but we could all be making like so much more money right now if we took on everything that came our way but we still don't because it's just again it's just going to tarnish your brand and in the long term it's not good like it's just better to turn down the money than ruin your reputation for sure I'm with you 100% so following up to that at this point, are you reaching out to brands or do brands mostly reach out to you or is it a little bit of both? Mostly brands reaching out to me. Not to say I never reach out to a brand because that wouldn't be true. I'd say it's like 80% brands reaching out to me, 20% me reaching out to them. But the me reaching out part at this point in time, it's brands that I worked with in the past that we've done things together. And I'll kind of go back through emails. Like I have, I'm very organized. I have a folder in my Gmail titled brands and, and then subcategories with each brand that I've ever worked with. So like maybe once every six months, I'll go through that and be like, Oh, I loved working with them. Let me reach out and see if they're, you know, interested in working with me again, or if they have any new products that they're looking to, you know, spread the word about. So that's really my reaching out is people that I was previously working with And then, you know, sometimes those brands reach out to me again, or I get a lot of new brands reaching out. To be honest, it's been really disappointing. I'd say 90% of the brands that reach out to me right now are for product exchange. And that was what we were just talking about, (laughs) the pet peeve. Right. And of course, right now, with this whole coronavirus craziness, companies do have a smaller budget. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you still need to make money. So, um Yeah. But as you were saying, I think that's a really smart business move to go back and remind companies that you're still here and that you'd love to do another collaboration. That's something that I like to do as well, because oftentimes they're busy. They don't remember to reach out to you. And then for me, at least nine times out of 10, when I ask to collaborate again, they're more than happy to do it. Yeah, same. And I think, again, it's like a really saturated market right now. Like, there's so many food and health and wellness bloggers right now. So I think brands where maybe five years ago, they weren't getting so many emails and messages. They're probably like getting so many a day. And that's why sometimes I'm just like, I don't think it's that they don't want to work with me. They're probably just like having hundreds of other emails from influencers. And um, that's why I, I don't mind reaching out. And again, like you, normally they want to work with me again and something comes out of it or they're like, you know, there's nothing going on now, but we have a new product coming out in six months. We'll reach out to you then. You know, it just kind of reminds them. Yeah, exactly. And for me, I obviously don't have 110,000 followers like you. I mean, it's so amazing, but at my 12,000 and working up, towards that 12,000, I was hustling. I was emailing sometimes 10 companies a day 
introducing myself, letting them know about my brand and my Instagram and my blog. And I was putting myself out there. So I think it's also important to note that if you are just starting out and you are trying to grow, just sitting around and waiting for brands to reach out to you isn't necessarily going to happen because as you said, it is so saturated and companies are being bombarded by influencers and bloggers all the time. And they now have their pick of the litter for who they want to collaborate with. So it is really important that you're proactive and, and you reach out to brands as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think like some people are at the point that they don't have to. I'm personally not 100% there yet. And I don't think it's something that's like you should view as negative that you're reaching out to brands. I think it's totally fine to do. Definitely. So I want to dive into motherhood a little bit because that is your main focus. I know we talked a little bit in the beginning about being a mom, but I want to talk about food and your kids and what you feed your kids and maybe some advice for moms with picky eaters. I love talking about this. I want my kids to have a very healthy relationship with food. And I have felt that way since like they were both six months old and I started feeding them solids. I never like force food on them. And I mean, my four-year-old understands more. Like I tell her, you don't have to finish the food on your plate. You eat until your belly feels nice and full and you feel like you're done. And when you decide you're done, you could be done. That being said, like sometimes she literally doesn't eat her dinner. And yeah, as a mom, it's frustrating. Like she'll take one bite and I know it's something she likes. And she's like, I'm done and walks away. The important thing is though, that she knows that it doesn't mean an hour later she's getting some cookies. Like if she tells me an hour later, mommy, I'm hungry. I'm like, great, there's your dinner. You didn't eat it. (laughs) You know, and again, I never force it on her. I'm like, have two bites or finish it. I don't care. But like, if you're hungry, there's your food. And then if she does finish her dinner, eats a good amount of it, and she wants a little treat, like I never want them to feel like they're deprived of anything. So I think treats are okay. I just, I keep them healthy. Like they're my homemade cookies without any refined sugar, maybe just like a little coconut sugar. It's the banana bread that's only sweetened with bananas and maybe like a few tablespoons of maple syrup. So they feel like they're getting a treat, but I know it's made with like quality ingredients you know, no preservatives, like a lot of the store-bought stuff, not everything, but a lot is obviously preservatives and has just so much crap in it. And that's why I love giving them things that we bake together. Not to say I don't buy store-bought things for them, but those are also like, I'm very particular with looking at the ingredients. Yeah, I love that. And I think keeping it clean, making as much homemade food as possible is so important because you are cultivating that healthy relationship for your kids with their food. And that's something that they're going to hold on to forever. One, you're teaching them how to cook healthy, which is such a valuable life skill. And you're showing them how to cook with clean ingredients. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, it was like you got a gold star if you finished everything on your plate. And that narrative is really changing. And now even people our age, it's all about mindful eating and listening to your body and learning when to stop eating when you feel, you know, 80% full and when you feel comfortable. So I think the fact that you're teaching your kids that is super, super important and very on trend for how wellness is going right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like our parents' generation, I mean, my mom personally doesn't do it, but I see a lot of other people like our parents' generation that still like, you know, the grandparents are like, finish your food. You can't get up till your plate is cleaned. And 
you, you can't have dessert till you finish your food. It's like, what are you, what are you teaching them really when you think about it? Yeah, I used to babysit for these kids um, back when I was in college and the mom would force them to drink like a huge glass of milk with their dinner before they were able to even leave the table. And you could just see that these girls were like so full, like they were about to throw up. It didn't matter. She would force them to chug the milk. That's horrible, yeah. And it, yeah, it was hard to watch. So I'm glad that you're not doing anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it must have been hard to watch. And also, I guess to finish answering your question with like what I feed them, I when I make something for myself and my husband, Josh, like I always, the goal is to have the whole family eat the same thing. Cause I don't want to be in the kitchen for hours, like cooking everyone a different thing. So like lunch, dinner, everything I do try to have them eat like semi what I'm eating, maybe in a different form. Like if I'm having a salad with X, Y, and Z on it, maybe they're not eating the salad, but I'm putting like everything from my salad, you know, onto their plate and maybe something else. Same thing with dinner. Listen, if they hate it, like I'm going to give in and give them something that I know they're going to eat. But I do try to have them eat what we're eating and not get stuck. I think so many kids get stuck eating like the same three things. So I just want them to be like adventurous with food and just keep, I keep offering like very different things each week. I love that. So you're switching it up. And then let's say there's a mom out there and her kids are really picky. Do you have tips for maybe sneaking in veggies or whatever it is? What tips do you have? Oh, yeah, definitely. I try to like blend spinach into anything that I possibly can. <laughs> Even like my, I have a pancake recipe, a muffin recipe. The muffin recipe is actually on my blog. The pancake is in like my toddler ebook on my blog. But blending vegetables into things like that, into pancake batters, into muffin batters, and they have no idea. And for kids, even I'm like, look, we're having green muffins today. How cool is that? Like, they don't know it's because there's spinach in them. And really, you can't taste it in the muffin or in the pancake or whatever you're making. My kids also really like smoothies. So I make like a strawberry banana smoothie. I put a little handful of spinach in there, a little almond butter for some healthy fat or coconut butter. You don't taste the handful of spinach. You taste the like delicious strawberry banana flavor. So really like anything that I'm making, I say to myself, can I snake a vegetable into here? Yeah, I think those are great tips. And I can imagine a smoothie is so fun for a kid. It's fruity. It tastes like ice cream. It's easy for them. They can just drink it with a straw while they're watching their show. Exactly. I mean, my four-year-old also likes making the smoothies. I put the blender out and I give her like the ingredients to put in and she puts them in the blend herself. And, you know, she likes to be like, I made my own smoothie all by myself. Oh, I love that. So I have some questions for you. These are questions that I am going to be asking every single guest. Mm -hmm. um, so first, what would your last meal be on earth? Oh, that's such a hard one. Uh, let's see. My last meal on earth, I would have to say like a Thai curry bowl. That's probably such an uncommon answer. I feel like people probably say pizza or I don't know, <laughs> not that, but I love Thai food and I love curry. So like a delicious curry. I love that. And what are you having for dessert? Definitely a chocolate chip cookie ice cream sandwich, but you know, one of my more healthy cookies. <laughs> sounds so good. I think mine would be um, a brownie sundae. 
Oh, that's so good too. I'm so definitely good. like such a sweet person. Like I love dessert. Oh, same. And it's hard, especially being a block. I mean, I'm always making desserts. So, I mean, you're, you have a family that you can share with, but, um, it's just, you know, me and my fiance here. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's easy to eat all your treats and yes. yeah. Okay. Next question. What's one thing you can't live without in your morning routine? Caffeine. <laughs> um, I, we talked about this before we started this podcast, but I absolutely love coffee. Like my favorite, favorite thing to do is like wake up and brew my coffee and sip on my coffee. It's just like, it's such a good start to the day for me. I'm not like a caffeine addict where I'm having it all day. I have one cup a day and that's it. I'm able to cut it off there, but I just look forward to that so much. But little side note, I'm currently taking a break from coffee for a month, which is killing me. I had a food sensitivity test done and I'm not so good with coffee right now, but I switched to matcha for the next month. So that's my caffeine for, for this month. But I just like love the slowness of the morning is waking up and sipping on that while like catching up on some emails. I love that. And thank God for matcha. Yes. And hopefully I'll be back on coffee very soon. Yeah. We're crossing our fingers for you. Yes. <laughs> okay. What is something quirky about you that people would be surprised to find out? I am such a homebody introvert. I don't know if people would be like so surprised to find out the homebody thing because I am a stay-at-home mom and a blogger and that's all from home. But naturally, I'm just such an introvert. Like I thrive off of being home alone in my house. Like if I'm at a social gathering for too long, I almost start, I don't want to call it anxiety, but I'm kind of looking for my exit. I'm like, all right, what can I say to leave right now? Like, I, I just love being home. Yeah, I feel you. And I'm the same way. You know, you're at a party and you're talking to a bunch of people. And when you get home, you almost take that sigh of relief. Like, oh my God, I'm so thankful to be alone again. I'm so thankful to be back in like my quiet space. And I'm sure, you know, you don't mean you, you want to be alone from like your husband or your family, but being exactly. back in your comfortable setting. Yeah. Or even if someone comes over to my house, like I love seeing my friends. I don't want to make it like <laughs> I don't like people. And I love spending time with them. But then if it's like at a point that they're there too long, I am in my head like, all right, when are they going to leave? I need my me time again. Like I'm very big on my alone time. I'm with you. I'm the same way. No offense to our friends. <laughs> so when we hang out, we'll both understand why it's not for hours and hours. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. If you had to pick one form of exercise to do for the rest of your life, what would it be? Probably kickboxing. I love it. I have to try kickboxing. It's just so fun. You'll come with me when eventually we can go to a gym again. Okay. I would love that. Yeah. But you're going to have to get me up at 6 a.m. Because I feel like you go really early. I go at 6.30, but they do have other classes throughout the day. And once both my kids are in school, I'll be able to go at other times besides 6.30 in the morning. Okay. That's my goal. I aspire to be someone who wakes up that early to work out. If I start, If I work out at 8, that's like a really good day for me. I just like it because then it's like you you got it over with for the day. You don't have to think about it again. And I feel like it, it just sets a good tone for the day. Yeah, I'll work up to it. Last but not least, what is your favorite grocery store? 
I love Whole Foods. It's like my happy place. I just get so happy walking in there. Maybe not at this moment with coronavirus going on because maybe everyone has anxiety being in public places or it's weird with everyone with masks. But typically, yes, I love Whole Foods. And there's also, um, if you're local to where both of us live in the South Florida area near Boca or in Boca, we I love fourth generation market. I think everything there is organic and they have the best prepared foods. And I just, I love it. Yeah, I love their little cafe. They have a really good vegan walnut tuna. Oh, I've tried that. I really it's like. so good. I love everything. It's and so their good. desserts, they're all made with like cleaner ingredients and they're all really good. And they have a very big dessert section of like freshly homemade desserts. Yeah, no, it's amazing there. If you If you live by Boca, you have to try it out. And I'm with you about Whole Foods. I feel like I could go there and not right now because of coronavirus, but I just go and browse the aisles and find new products. It's almost therapeutic. And I don't know if you remember, but that's where we met for the first time was at Whole Foods. I do remember that. Yeah. I, I mean, it was probably a little bit creepy, but I remember I saw you and I recognized you because I followed your Instagram and I whispered to my fiance I'm like I think that's Leah from Leah's plate and and I'm like I'm gonna go say hi and I like ran over to you I'm like hey Leah <laughs> I'm so glad you did because you know what so many people like message me I saw you today I mean obviously this was before quarantine that's creepier like, yeah I saw you at Whole Foods and I'm like why didn't you come say hi like so if you're listening to this and you ever see me and you're local like please come say hi I love when people come say hi that's really funny that happened to me the other day someone messaged me on Instagram they're like I saw you today you looked great I'm like that's really creepy like please say hi to me next time because uh, yeah it just it feels kind of awkward to know that people were like staring at you and you had no clue that they recognized you yeah and no one's ever bothering me like I, I love when people come say hi yeah same I'm glad that we met and yeah this was a really fun podcast I feel like we could sit here and talk for hours I have one more thing that I want to do um this is just like a fun way to get to know you a little bit better and a way to end the podcast mm-hmm. it's called would you rather foodie edition it's just like rapid fire mm-hmm. would you rather so are you ready yes okay peanut butter or almond butter almond butter pasta or pizza pizza cookies or brownies cookies spinach or kale spinach pancakes or waffles oh that's a hard one waffles <laughs> Smoothie or juice? Definitely a smoothie. Hot fudge or caramel? Caramel. Lemon or lime? Mm, Lemon. Hummus or guacamole? Guacamole. Pesto or marinara sauce? Pesto. I'm with you on a lot of those, but that's just like something fun that I like to do with everyone. That's really fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, because you see, I don't know if like you notice on Instagram, there are those things that you can fill out and post on your Instagram story um, where you choose like this or that. So I wanted to to incorporate that in the podcast, especially since that's so fun. Yeah, especially since we're both foodies. Um, Well, this has been so fun. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this. Um, Where can everyone follow you? So everywhere I'm at Leah's Plate on all my socials. Um, And then my website is leahsplate.com. And Leah is L-E-A-H. And then, you know, there's an S for Leah's Plate. 
awesome. Love it. Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.